Hey guys, it's Jack. Time for another episode of the Jack Mitchell Podcast. A couple of thank yous here before we get going. Thanks to all the guests we've had, uh, of course, for giving me their time. Uh, got a bunch lined up for the coming weeks and months. Uh, big thank you to Daniel Christian. His is the music that you'll hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. Check him out on social media to hear more of his music. Got some good YouTubes, too. Like that song you actually hear, there's a music video. It's a whole song, and it's really good. I'm trying to get uh, radio stations to uh, to play it in the area. Uh, so we've got that. Um, I'm going to be gone next week from the show doing a vacation from the the morning show but we will still have a podcast dropping uh maybe i'll drop some clues on twitter uh, somebody new in the community that i think you're going to be very interested and know very well over the course of the next couple of months and we're going to get a preview of uh of who that person is with our next episode of the podcast so without any further ado today we are talking to caleb henry so let's get it going it is time for another episode of the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Welcome in, and for the second time ever, we are doing the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Well, the second time, like, in the new era of the Jack Mitchell Podcast. We did the podcast live in my basement. Uh, we did this with Malachi Coleman uh, a while back, and uh, today we are doing this with someone that I spend most of my waking hours with. Uh, he is my co-host, uh, sports director, my board op, my assistant program director, uh, and my friend Caleb Henry, who joins us right now on the eve eve of his marriage, which is happening. By the time you listen to this, he will have been married, hopefully, on Wednesday. Uh, and so he's spending one of the last hours of his single life right now <laughs> in my basement hanging out. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not sure how you feel about that. I'm sure this is nothing but good vibes for the wedding. Definitely. And I am uh, I am officiating my first wedding. Uh, I'm going to be the officiant for Caleb's wedding. He, per his request, I went online and went through a very rigorous process of paying $15 to uh, become eligible <laughs> to perform weddings. Thank you for opening up the wallet. Yeah, it was. No, it's, that, <laughs> I mean, that's your gift. Just FYI. Well, and you didn't realize it when I did ask you because it was after. Was it a men's basketball win? Like there was just a random Nebraska ball victory and you went on. What was it? Uh, you were on like Twitter Spaces or something. Oh and, yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. And you had a bunch of people in there, and then I was, I was obviously covering the game, and I, I wrote up a recap and um, listened to the post game, and I jumped on, and you were like, "Yeah, let's go to Caleb because he covered it," and yeah. then I, that's I, right. That's as right. I was talking through all of it, I told Megan because we had already had the conversation that we were going to ask you, and I went, "Hey, he's doing this Twitter Space." Should I just ask him while he's got a bunch of people on there? And she goes, "Yes, hijack it right now." <laughs> I did not know if you. So were, I did. I and asked, I legit <laughs> didn't know if you were serious at the time, which made for an awkward situation. Yeah, it was very awkward. But there were people that were then like, "Yes, absolutely, you should do it." Yeah. Um, and obviously, you're going to be, or I guess by the time people listen to this, uh, you would have. Yeah. Uh, so I actually did. It's so weird to talk about this. Like time is so weird as we talk about. Time this is a flat circle. In a, a flat circle with some ridges. Right. It's like ruffles. And we're on one side of it now, and by the time people hear it, it will <laughs> be on the other, the other side. Two days from now, yesterday. I did one wedding. I did my uncle's wedding, but I didn't, like, I felt, you should feel very special, because when my uncle asked me to do this, I didn't get, like, ordained, or I didn't do the 50, because I was like, that's, I was like, I don't know, that seems weird, and I didn't do it then, and I spoke. Wait, was then, your uncle not legally married? Uh no they had they actually got a pastor to oh, okay. to do it so 
Yeah, they actually did that. and So you just, like, talked at it. So I talked. I mean, I gave a very... And they're still married, so I obviously did a okay. good job. Yeah, that's So good. I'm one for one so far. <laughs> that was, like, three years ago. Uh, but no, but this time I was like, okay, it's probably not, you know... I and, and I looked into how to actually do it, and it's not bad. My dad was a pastor, and so, you know, I I I, I, I kind of like to think I'm channeling him with, with doing this thing. But ju- just by way of uh, introduction... For Caleb, since we jumped right in because we're very familiar with one another, <laughs> um, unlike I usually do with my other guests, where I tell you, you know, kind of how you, how I know them, how my life is intersected with them. Uh, I've worked with Caleb since I don't what was it, 2018, 2019. I have so, no so, idea when you started. Yeah, so fall of 2019, October, um, just in time for Husker football to like never win a game, um, right into the start of the Hoiberg era. And then sports to shut down within yes. like five, six months of me working here he became, as a sports director. He became the sports director, and in that time he's wasn't necessarily it when he started, but he's essentially become the co-host of my show with me in in that time. And just just get it out of the way at the beginning, uh, I, I, uh, I want everyone to know that if you don't know, you might follow Caleb on Twitter, you might hear him on the show, but for those who don't know... Uh, the amount of talent and uh, hard work that he's got in him is unbelievable, and I don't I don't say this lightly at all. I don't know if I would I would be where I am right now anymore if he wasn't around. Uh, I've never looked more forward to coming in and doing the show since he started doing it with me, and um, it's 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 become a level of fun that I didn't know if I would ever have. Uh, with him and and but so much credit goes to him because he is so good on the air he is so good behind the board he is so good with what he does with sports he's so good at writing he's so good at marketing he is so good um at at all of those things and managing and just doing a ton of work with a young family um and so i i have nothing but i mean you will never hear me say anything anything bad about him anything other than it's it's a it's a huge credit and and so much of whatever success that that I've had on the air since he's gotten here is really traced back to him that I I uh I'm excited. I'm excited to have him here. I love my job right now and it's a and that is directly proportional to to Caleb being here. Um remind me to take you upstairs next time I have a contract negotiation. <laughs> you, you you have got this all down a lot better than than right, than I do. Good. Uh but no, I appreciate that because that's one of the things that I've talked with my fiance now wife again time is weird as we do this um but about like going to work because I know what it's been like to be at places where you just loathe getting up um whether it's in the morning or afternoon or for a short time while I was in Des Moines I was working some overnights um and it's just like it's a pain the people there don't excite you the job itself doesn't excite you but I wake up so easy at three fifty every morning because I know. Why you- do you wake up three fifty, you freaking weirdo? I like Jeez. to. I like to shower. You got and- an hour. You got an hour to sleep still by my by uh, my numbers. Oh my god! There's no way I could do that because I, the the thing is, I'm limited so much in the hours of the day that I have because I go pick up my daughter. That's um, Because we only do half day daycare for a few days of the week, so there's actually times that I'm doing what used to be some of my post show work. Actually, before the show, right? So I put together my. It's a great time to work, by the way. Nobody is there. There's nobody there. You are oddly, 
oddly productive. You, I found you know that how to like be normally the case we're too. we're searching around to find any available microphone. Right. I have all of them available before the show. But I've told Megan that it's it's such a joy to get up. Like it's so easy, and the way the show is transformed in the two and a half, almost three years that I've been here now. Um, a lot of because of the the ideas that you've had, but the the direction we've wanted to take that morning show, and there's so much entertainment value for us, and I hope that I hope that comes across obviously over the air for people. It's mainly for us though, but but for us, and I think people can tell that though. Like if they can tell we're having fun, it's fun for them too, and at least that's what I. I've picked up from people, especially last week, I was on a fishing trip up to Minnesota, and I talked with a lot of listeners for a number of the broadcast house stations, but KLIN and LNK Today with Jack and Friends especially, and they can tell how much fun we're having. And that that makes it so easy to get up and go, all right, it does kind of stink the time I'm going to go to sleep tonight, yeah. but... I'm going to get up and have fun, and I'm going to get to do that the next day and the next day and the next day. And not everyone gets to say that. No. I um, you know, I echo everything that you're saying. I, I get in that studio, and I'm excited when, when I see you there. And, and, but but you know, even more important than all of that is you are, you are really, really good at the things you do, and there are a, a lot of things you do, and there is a lot of work that you do. And so much of the station, and especially so much of the show, the show wouldn't I mean show wouldn't be where it is right now without you. I've no you. no doubt about it. it. Wouldn't even be close. And we're having some not to brag, but we're having some really good success right now. Knock on wood for when this comes <laughs> out, but um but it's it is it, it, you know, I, my name's on the show, but that is as much about Caleb as as anyone else. So, but I want people to I'm get the to, capital F in friends. That's it. Yeah, you're I call you the capital F. That's, so, my, that's what my dad calls me too. Um so uh, but uh, but what I want to is is for I want people to understand that part about you uh as they listen as they listen to you as they they start to see more content from you going forward as they do all of these things. But I want to get to know you a little bit because I don't know that you get a, you get some chances on the air for people who listen to to talk about yourself, but probably not a ton. And there are probably things that I don't know. You're literally explaining honest. the reason that I started a different podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I should listen to that and find <laughs> out. And we're going to talk. And Caleb, by the way, has a new podcast. Let's plug it right here. We'll plug it at the end, too. But uh, you have a new podcast called Hey Dad, right? Yeah, called Hey Dad. And uh, earlier this week, was able to have episode two come out. It's actually with my dad. We recorded it just off of the river while we were up fishing in Minnesota last week. First episode was with a former Husker, Dr. Rob Zadiska. It's all about just the thing about I don't get to talk about it enough on the show just because it wouldn't fit with what we do. Mm -hmm. But I love being a dad, and we bring it up a little bit. Um, but there's there's just an experience about that that I really love. I'm so glad I was able to talk with my own dad early in this process. But talking with other dads about their own experience, asking them for advice, because I have a toddler, so like I'm trying to crowdsource some of this as well with yeah. the project. Um, but it's it's so much fun to hear where the similarities are with people that are some are young parents, some are parents that have kids in high school and college some are grandparents now but there's so many similarities across the generations on what that dad experience is so i'm i'm interested throughout this to see where some of those changes have happened generationally but also what what is the standard what was same with being a dad in 1965 as 1985 as 2022 that that'll be interesting you know because i it's interesting i worry sometimes that i am 
and, and you've seen my son and I, particularly my daughter's a little younger, mm-hmm. you've seen my son and I interact, but I interact with my son definitely in a different way than I did with my my dad. And mm-hmm. maybe we'll talk about this in your podcast sometime, so I don't want to go too far in it, but he's 17, he'll be 18 in December. Um, but I interact- Johnny 17 going on 18. Yeah. Is that what, a song? Not, what was no, that? It's song? sixteen going on seventeen, but is that a like a particular song or was that just something? Sound of music. Okay, I don't want to. Are do you show. kidding me? I don't want to do show tunes. Caleb was in show choir, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's not even a joke. That's a real thing. Caleb was in show that's choir. That's a real fact. Be- Two be- truths and a lie. No one ever gets that Belied one. At. Belied at, believe at is what they say. <laughs> but like I'm, it's weird. Sometimes I worry I'm being too much of a buddy and not enough of a dad right like where's that line yeah i do and i think about that a lot but the buddy stuff is so good um Mm -hmm. anyway that's probably a conversation for your podcast but yeah we'll we'll get to that we'll we'll delve into that if you ever you know i had you on my podcast so i suppose you probably should do that for me Uh, how long long have you had this podcast though going back to the original well the original i did you know it's interesting we started i I released a couple weeks ago i released the kemp pavelka one i I did like three or four episodes back at at KLI in the studio, and for whatever reason, that didn't continue. I don't actually remember what happened or why. Uh, And then in 2019, I started up again, like independently of NRG Media, and did it in the in that other room here that we're sitting by, right by the we had a ping pong table up there, and I had people in and and so uh i know there were some people who listened to that and kind so of stopped three with years. the pandemic so i got to so. wait for about three years to get you on yeah that, that'd be okay know, probably probably better i mean depends <laughs> depends how many downloads you want it's proportional um yeah but like so okay so you're from uh what's it called what's the town so Lu- west City. point or something well here's the thing i was born in west point west point so, you, so you're not um, you're not too far off there. Right, you were born and my dad point. tells a great story on, on on my podcast about when I was born because he threw a shotgun in the truck, and the doctor because the doctor is, like after your mom's water broke, like my mom's going into labor, and the doctor says, "Hey, just get here." But he made the mistake of saying, "It's there's nothing to be in a hurry for." So they drove back roads from Dodge, where I lived for the first seven years of my life, up in northeast Nebraska. And they drove the back roads in case he saw a pheasant, so he could pheasant hunt on the way to the hospital. What's he going to do if he gets one? Put it in the back of the truck. Well, is it going to rot back there while fine. you're born? It'll be. I was born how, in November, so it was going to be cold. It's fine. How long does a, a dead pheasant last <laughs> that you can still get some kind of uh, edible game out of that it? That question's not on your show prep. That is... <laughs> <laughs> I, I just um, wonder what he was thinking. Is but all. no, so then my, my dad got a new job um, as a teacher out in Loop City that's in central Nebraska um, or western Nebraska if you grew up in the Lincoln or Omaha areas. That's Listen, I'm just trying to give people where I live. Seward is western Nebraska. Yeah, right. Um, the Sandhills of Seward. The Right. Uh, it's basically Colorado. Uh, but Loop City had, uh, it's about a 1,000 people. Uh, they straddle the line between C2 and D1, and now they're co-opt with another school, and even then they end up being Class D for some stuff. I had 22 kids in my graduating class. That includes our foreign exchange student. Um, Where's your foreign exchange student from? Germany? Germany. 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 Hans? Um, no, it was, it was a girl. Hans is like a Dutch name. I, honest to God, can't You don't remember, remember her name? I had 22 kids in my class. And look I her up on Facebook right now on your phone. Find her. Figure it out. Look her up on Facebook. See if she's out I there. Don't have a, Olga? I probably don't have her as a Facebook Olga? friend. Olga? Sure. That, that's more Scandinavian, isn't it? What's a German woman's name? 
Um, don't don't they have a chancellor? Oh yeah, Angela. Angela. Is her name's probably Angela. Probably. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, twenty-two. So you know everybody. Yeah, we knew everybody, and I have. So I've got two younger sisters. Um, Brooke, two years behind me. Addison, eight years behind me. And because it was such a small school, and if you do any sports, and because of how old my sisters were, there was a point in time where I could name every student four through twelve just because I had some involvement with them at some point. And it's like there's obviously there's the positives and the negatives of being in uh, one a town that size, but two a school that size. And then my dad was a teacher and a coach. Uh, and my mom was a substitute teacher. So there's all of these parts where it starts becoming, well, I kind of have to know everybody, but whether or not I do everybody in town, even that I don't know, they know me. Mm-hmm. So there's always that spotlight of if you do good, people know. If you do bad, people know. Yeah. And that just became a thing that I was very familiar with at a young age. Yeah. So um, so – do you ever have your your dad as a teacher? Yeah, several times. So, like, the, what grades? The first time I had him would have been seventh grade PE. He sent me to the principal's office. No, yes. Stop Here's the thing: it, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. Uh, I mean, what's and, worse and, than your dad? That's actually a relief at well, some point, isn't it? <laughs> and it, it wasn't my fault. So what happened was, my buddy uh, Jody, he was standing to my left, and my other friend uh, Jordan. He came around and he hit my buddy Jody in the butt. You know, just came through. Good game. Good gamed him. Um, but we're all lined up. Jody didn't appreciate that, thought it was me. Turned and shoved me. And my dad looks and sees, oh, these guys are getting in a fight straight to the principal's office. And I get in there. I'm like, I legitimately did nothing. And the principal's like, well, says you got in a fight. And Jody looks and goes, oh, yeah, I, th- I guess Jordan did it. It wasn't him. And I go, all right, cool. So, like, I'm good to go. Like, I shouldn't even be here. Can I go back to PE? <laughs> um, so it ended up being all fine, and my dad ended up laughing about it. Um, but So I had him there. I had him in um, weight training class all through high school. And I also had him in a couple different social studies history. Senior year, I was his, uh, his TA, his teacher's aide. Okay. So my senior year, I actually had him for – um, three classes during the day, and then like I'd go to basketball practice too, and I, I had him there because he was my basketball coach, he was my track coach. I had him for baseball all the way until I stopped playing, and he, I had him for one year of uh, junior high football. Okay, so you saw a unlike a lot of kids <laughs> of your generation, like you saw a ton of your dad. Yeah, all the time, and even before, like I got to where I was playing the sports. I was always the the student manager or the water boy, right. and I would always. Yeah. Um, and he coached varsity football up until, up until I think I got to junior high. So I was always at all the football games. When in, in the nineties, Dodge ran off four straight state titles. I was on the sideline for all of those because my dad was an assistant coach. Um, he took a number of teams, both at Dodge and Loop City, to state basketball. I was always there um, on the sideline on one of those benches at the high schools. And so it was just something that I grew up with being able to be at the practices, um, go through some of the drills. If they needed an extra person out there, I'm nine years old doing ball handling drills with the varsity guys. Mm -hmm. Like that's so much fun to me because like, those are your heroes. You see them all the time. They seem larger than life because man, they got all the muscles and they can dunk and you're so small but those are the guys that like your dad is spending time with 
that takes his takes time out of his day to be with. And it's like the fact that I got to spend a little bit of time around them felt so cool every single day. But yeah, I was always around my dad. And that's something that because I was born in November right at the beginning of basketball season, I was taking naps as a like as an infant in varsity gyms as games mm-hmm. are going on. That mm-hmm. that horn never woke me up. We were we were talking earlier about how I kind of talked about being a a pal to my teenage son and afraid that I'm doing more of that than a father. <laughs> That's what, why I said you find the line. What was what's that like with with your dad when he's so involved in legitimately everything that you're doing as a teenager? So that was like there was a little bit of a feeling out point, especially when I got to high school, because I remember there was one practice early on. Um, I was very fortunate. I started all but two games uh, my, in varsity basketball through four years not to in brag. high school. Not to brag. Um, Again, but, not to brag. Yeah, not to brag. But there's the part where it becomes, am I starting because my dad's the coach, or am I starting because I deserve to have that position? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to go in and, and have the respect of those older guys on the team. So first couple of That's practices, tough. it's very tough. Um, first couple of practices, I call my dad coach because I want everyone to know he's coach to me too. And in front of everyone, he goes, no, stop that. I'm dad. They know I'm your dad. Just say dad. So I call him dad the rest of the time. Didn't matter the sport. Didn't matter if I had him in a class. I just called him dad. And I didn't feel like I lost any respect from any of the other players, as a matter of fact. So my dad had a rule that freshmen could not be team captains. One of the seniors who was a captain voted for me to be a team captain anyway. That's where I felt like I still had the respect of all of those guys to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And it's, it's hard to be out there as a, as a 14-year-old, uh, 14, 15-year-old as a freshman with these guys who have very different life experiences because they've been in high school. Mm-hmm. Like, they've gone through this. They've gone through um, different, different things socially than I had coming out of, just right out of junior high. But with my dad, it was always, here's what's going on at school, so I can talk, talk about stuff in the classroom, at practice, but it came home, but there was never anything that, like, if we were mad at each other, like something happened in practice, that didn't come home with us. We knew, leave that part there. Mm. We can still talk basketball if we come home, but that's a very different thing. Or if something went on, I miss curfew. I don't know, something happened, and I'm in trouble at home. That didn't go to weightlifting in the morning. Like, we knew where to compartmentalize stuff and leave it in certain places. Um, I think a big part of that was because I did spend so much time with my dad, but also I'm very, like, the mentality that I have about so many things is would line up almost one-to-one with him. Mm-hmm. Um whether that is the the nature versus nurture, is it just because I'm his kid, mm-hmm. or is it because I spent so much time around him, I picked up all of the same mentality for stuff? But it was very easy for us to go leave this here, but we can still bring this piece with us across the different areas that we have, where we're dad and son, dad and player, dad and student. Yeah. Were you uh were you were you physically? I mean, were you bigger than everybody in ninth grade? I was six three. Like I haven't, yeah, I haven't. Gro- so yeah. So yeah, I haven't grown since eighth grade. So um, I was. Oh, do you think you're going to be seven foot at one point, dude? Yeah, at one point I thought I was going to be six 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 seven, and I said this is a very real thing that's going to happen for me. Um, but then my knees started to 
feel a lot of pain. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to be the best thing for me. And I just didn't grow anymore. Um, from fifth to sixth grade, I grew nine and a half inches from the, what? the start. Yeah. It, that, like, sounds it, like it, a, that sounds like a medical I know, problem. But it's one of those numbers that, that like the ever since I heard it, it's impossible to forget it. Is that when they measured me at the start of fifth grade and measured me at the start of sixth grade, it was nine and a half inch difference. I remember being a couple weeks into fifth grade and my mom saying, we just bought you those jeans. You said they fit. I said they did fit. And they were already coming up like above my ankles. It's been a nightmare with shoes. Shoes were more expensive then too. Uh, yeah, shoes, pants, just food in general. Yeah. Um, like there was a there was a practice that my dad was because uh, like I said I would always go to his practices. I was hungry, like just always hungry. And my mom gave me five dollars, and I went down to Joe's Market and I got a rotisserie chicken. And my <laughs> my dad was pissed. He goes, "What? What are you doing?" So it's like it's the middle of winter, and he goes, "Okay, whatever you don't eat, just put back in the bag, fold it up, and just set it outside the locker room, and it'll keep. So it'll like it'll be it'll refrigerate itself." Well, we get done like with the, the pheasants in the back yeah, of the trunk like the when you were born. Um, <laughs> so practice gets done, and my dad's still like, I can tell he's still pissed about this. And he goes, all right, where's that rotisserie chicken? I said, well, I threw it away. He goes, why would you throw it away? Granted, rotisserie chicken for five bucks, five bucks, whatever. But, by the way, that's like still what they cost at Costco I right know, now. It's so awesome. what happened to inflation? <laughs> that's like the one part that inflation <laughs> has never touched right. its rotisserie chickens. Um but my dad is so mad because he's trying to be like, well, don't go wasting our money on stuff if you're going to throw away good food. And I said, well, there wasn't any left. I picked clean <laughs> rotisserie chicken. Rotisserie and then chicken. we went home, and I remember we had tacos and corn for supper, and I cleaned house. Um, so, yeah, my parents had a difficult time while I was going through all of that. But by the time I get through eighth grade, yeah, I'm a, like, I'm a stick. Um, I'm maybe like 6'3", 150. Jeez. Um, but I, stick. but I had the, I had the size to be out there and I, um, and because I had gone through all of those parts where I would go to practice and, um, I learned all the ball handling, I was more of a guard, but because of my size at times I would go and I'd play post a little bit. So for the first couple years of high school, I was more of a forward. I played kind of the two, three, but every now and then I'd go handle the ball, um, and then by the time I'm a senior, like I've put on some more muscle, mm -hmm. and just by who was still left on the team, and we had a bunch of tall guys in my class. Like I was six three, but there were still guys in my class that were uh, six six, six five, six four. There were a couple other six threes. Like we were a good sized small town school, um, but I was able to go out and play more point guard and shooting guard and be out there and understand matchups and go inside. But but yeah, by the time I got to high school, you're trying to earn the respect of all of these guys. I'm still 6'3", so it's not like size-wise at a small school. Yeah. I was definitely okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're good. How many times did you play in state? We played just my sophomore year. So this is one of those things that in central Nebraska, in, in, so in Class A, because there's the serpentine, sometimes you might be able to avoid uh, certain teams. In the smaller classes at that time, you didn't have that, that district final, which is now a sub-state. You had to just play... Whoever Which, was, by the way, I still don't get whatsoever. <laughs> Just gave me a district, district champ, state, one wild card. That's all. It so that's what it was. But there's no serpentine. So you are beholden to whoever's in your area. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Lucky for us, this was a decade-plus stretch where Ravenna was absolutely dominant in Class C, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and the one year that they didn't go over like an 11- or 12-year stretch is the year that we went. We made the state semifinals. Um, we beat Perkins County in the quarterfinals, played that at Lincoln North Star, and then uh, we lost to Oakland Craig at Pershing. I know this is going to start to make me sound really old as soon as like well I say, you play you doesn't make you sound that old because you played in North Star so yeah it was like the first year that North Star yeah. so you, so you contrast that with like okay well it's recent enough for North Star but then I played at Persian the North Star Persian combo is a weird one honestly there's not many that have that yeah not you, many got to have that, that experience hold on was, which Baronic was at uh, Ravenna at that so time? here's the thing when I was a freshman. The oldest Baronic, Drake, Drake, was a senior. Who's a coach Carney now played for the Huskers. Yes. And then it was, um, oh, I feel so bad. that, that uh, And just because of the way athletics worked out, I'm sure the, the, the middle Baronic feels like he, he gets left out of some things. And I feel so bad that I can't remember his name. But then the, the, young, but then the youngest Brent. one, um, Connor, was a freshman when I was a senior. And the middle one was a year behind me. I was in that one class that could have played there against was... all three Baronics over the course of being <laughs> in high school. And I guarded every single one of them at yeah. some point. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, night and day when you're a freshman, and we talk about like me being a stick and trying to be out there with seniors, and by the time the, that Ravenna group, they were seniors in 2005. They ended up losing to uh, David City Aquinas. That was the group that played um, against uh, Bellevue West. And yeah, I remember they had that game. The the yeah, I, I, man, I was I was somewhat newly married. Antoine I, Young, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that whole group yeah, up there. That's right. Um, so six three one fifty me going against that group that is they go to state each year. Mm-hmm. They do like they live for that basketball season. Mm-hmm. That group of seniors, man, I got beat up. Like I'm like it did not take a whole lot to to run me off the floor when you got to that level of talent and I just wasn't up for that as a freshman like we did what we could I'm pretty sure when we got to district or sub districts that year we played those at Central City we set up a lob play right away to uh, our big guy Matt Day because we knew Ravenna they would run like this this um this run and trap and so we win the tip. We throw it up to me right away, and I look, and I'm like, there are three dudes coming to trap me and just throw it up towards the rim. And Matt Day got it, and he was supposed to dunk it, but he just laid it in, and we were like, all right, cool, we got a lead. And then I don't think we had the lead very much longer <laughs> after that. But, yeah, we were the class that played against all three Bronics, and obviously their dad, Paul, who passed away uh, a few years back, 
my after my senior year, you get to go play in some of those those like area all star games. When I played in the Luplak Conference one, I had hurt my knee in a previous one. Like I stepped on a guy wrong, so we were just I wasn't playing. He asked me to still be there and more so just like assistant coach, just hang out with him on oh, the really? side. So I got to hang out with him for a couple hours and see the way he coached a game, even if it was an all-star game. Um, and my dad and, and Mr. Bronick, they were really good friends despite being rival schools. So that was very cool for me to, despite the rivalry and everything, we played Ravenna 10 times over four years. Um, we beat them once. And that was the one time that we were able to win in sub-districts, and we eventually went to state from there. Mm -hmm. But for a rival coach, that was so much fun for me to be able to have that experience despite not being able to play. Hmm. Awesome man. That's cool. Awesome man. That's cool. I hope uh, Drake and his brothers get a chance to to hear this. Um, uh, Real quick. You talk on the show a lot about playing at Pershing, which is a <laughs> with the asbestos what coming you, out of the yeah, ceiling. I mean, these are, these are in the somewhat late days of Pershing. I mean, we had about five years left. Two thousand seven. Yeah, we had about five, four years of Pershing left. Yeah. What do you remember about playing in Pershing and and what your uh, yeah your your last game in state? So that locker room would have been better if we would have just gone to some D two schools weight room. Um, like that was. <laughs> Disre That's how the bathrooms were too. I went in the Shrine like, Circus that same year. Like I, I want to say disrespectful, but also like it is what it is. Like that. That's what the. That's what it was when you went to play at Pershing. Um, now I I vividly remember waiting around for a couple of games where we would go sit towards the the roof and you just have like popcorn while you're up there. But then you're like, there's stuff literally falling on me. We can't sit up here. Um, the whole place smelled like funnel cakes. Like even while you're playing, bad. Even, yeah, even while you're playing, you're like it smells like funnel cakes. Mm, I'm um, but there were so many dead spots, like on that basketball court. You think you have a breakaway, or you're just going to set up the offense, and then the ball magically does not come back to your hand. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it ends up having that big of an impact on a final score unless something's very very close and a team's really unlucky. But man, that was there was so much about that that you said, "How are you still playing here?" In the 2000s. Um, obviously now that that's replaced with if you were in the semifinals of a class that size, you would go to Devaney and then Pinnacle Bank Arena. And now it's everybody gets to play at um, at Devaney right away. And it's all split. No between, more high schools. Yeah, no yeah. more high schools unle good. unless you end up in a, uh, a consolation My game. My kids don't get a day off school anymore, too. <laughs> too. Uh, no, I think that's fantastic. The, the, it's the ever-evolving um, portion of do kids today have it better than I did? Yeah. And that's one of the things that I like, because I will always argue for that, even if it's like, man, that was that's so unfair that I didn't get to have X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. If when I was playing, we would have had that district final sub-state, we would have been in it despite losing the first round of sub-districts because we were like fifth or something in the wild card points. Does it feel unfair? Yeah, but also I look at the kids that are playing now, and I'm like, that's so great for them to have that opportunity. It's just along the way there were some pieces that were missed. And if you go even further back, there were times where you didn't have the wild card. So there were some other teams that got missed along the way for that. So it's ever-evolving through it, but <laughs> just the fact that I get to say I played at Pershing, there's going to come a time where people are like, what was that? Yeah. Where did you play? Yeah, that's cool. 
So tell me about your beginnings in in track and field. What'd you start? What was your first? Uh, what was your first exposure to that? I didn't start until I got to seventh grade, um, and just like what can you even do in middle school in Loop City for track and field? Oh, you can do all of the events. Can you? Yeah, you can still do everything. Okay. So the, sorry. So what Nebraska? That, that's does, my bad. I hope that was no. That's offensive. okay. <laughs> um, so what Nebraska doesn't have is like javelin and hammer throw and those things and that's at that's at any level unless you go do club stuff in the summer um and some of them i guess do stuff year-round but so i started out i would i think i was on like our four by one um but i know i triple jumped and i threw discus which is not the most common of doubles um, yeah, no. but my fresh my freshman year my seventh grade year i broke our junior high record and then by the time I'd finished uh, junior high, I had our junior high discus and junior high triple jump records. Um, and so that was uh, – there's a lot of people that start, and it's so awesome that they do. You think about a lot of other sports where you get started in t-ball, and you're, what, like five years old. Uh, and then some other sports you get started, and you're in second, third, fourth grade. Right, basketball, uh, yeah. Yeah, so all of those. You, you even think back some of the like flag football stuff. Yeah. You're, you're a lot younger. For track, we just didn't have that. So I didn't start until seventh grade, which was so weird when I eventually got to college and everyone's like, yeah, I've been doing this since I was little. It's the only sport I do. And I'm like, this was kind of a hobby in the off season. <laughs> um, but I get to junior high and I'm still doing triple jump and discus. And discus my freshman year, I break our high school record. Not to brag. Um, not to brag. Broke. It was. Uh, I believe our high school record was uh, like, like one forty, one forty five, or one forty six. Broke the four foot record from <laughs> um, from uh, Jimmy Watkins in uh, nineteen fifty three. Um, so actually, He's the only person who ever threw a discus at Loop City. So actually, the record was from the nineteen sixties. Yeah. Um, but that but, dude was. But I broke it by about ten feet, and then I loved did. triple jumping. Like we thought, triple jump was going to be my event um, because I was long and I was tall and I was super skinny. Um, but I was playing in, and every now and then I'd jump it on like a four by eight or a four by four if they needed someone to, to come over for a relay, which I absolutely hated. Like by then I've already eaten all of my food. I'm not ready to jump it on a four by four at the end of the meet. Um, but my dad and the, the head coach, they'd be like, well, he's someone who has spikes and he's here. So let's roll him out there. <laughs> and I'm just like, a huge, come on. He just had a huge burrito from Loop City Burrito Company. Is, I am 13 Swiss cakes in. Yeah. So guys, this is not going to be good for anyone. Um, but I played on that, uh, what was the Bison basketball teams. Mm -hmm. And you used to always read their scores in the newspaper when I was yeah, going so on. much fun to go be involved with that for a year. Um, I made their, uh, their all eighth grade team and got to travel all over mm -hmm. and play with some of that. And then watching some of those guys, their basketball careers and where they ended up with, um, like I got to play against Jesse Carr and a bunch of guys like that. And it's like, Oh, you guys went and did some pretty cool things. Mm -hmm. Um, no wonder you torched me for like 30. Um, <laughs> but I playing in that and we went and played in a game and I got rolled up on, on my ankle. So I couldn't triple jump, and we were expecting me to, besides score at conference and districts, to go to state and triple jump. So I'm in a walking boot, and we get to districts, and we're like, well, I can still throw discus. And I would take off the walking boot between throws, put on my throwing shoe, and I went in, and I got second, and I qualified for state as a freshman. Um, in my freshman year, I didn't throw very well in the rain. I slipped a lot, but I ended up 11th out of the 22 that were there. And then... 
the next year I took triple jump anymore. They had me start doing shot put so that I would just stay over there in the throwing areas. And I took a big step forward with discus. I was fortunate enough to at state. I was seventh going into finals on my one of my I think it was my second throw. I took the lead and I held on to that. So I won class C as a sophomore. The next year took some more strides forward, just keep getting a little bit stronger. And I won all class discus. I had the best throw on that one day that we all threw. Um, and then my senior year, I had the furthest throw in the state at 179.2 um, over the course of the season. And then just had a really bad wind on the day of the state championships, but I was still able to win class C. So had three class C titles, won all class. And then my senior year, um, I broke our school shot put record, which had been there since the early 60s. Broke that by about three feet and got second at state. Okay, so you 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 had success with those those throwing. And my dad was my throws coach. And your dad. So again, it's another part where dad. we just get to go hang out together nonstop. You ended up throwing javelin in college, though. Yeah. So how did that come about? So my dad pitched in college um, at Kansas and then Nebraska. My grandfather was a pitcher too, and for a long time we thought baseball was what I was going to play, mm-hmm. was going to do in college. And we go to a lot of the the showcase camps, um, and I'm pitching, and I've, I went on visits to Kansas and K-State and um, talked with coaches at Minnesota, um, a bunch of junior colleges, some places in Missouri, some places as far away as Georgia about possibly playing baseball there um, because I, I had a pretty decent arm. Um, I would hit mid to high 80s uh, for my fastball and uh, low 70s on the curveball. Um, changeup was okay too, but we would also only play like fifteen, twenty baseball games a summer, like compared right. to what a lot of other people played. You Your just legion games are like legion, uh, well, yeah, a summer yeah. legion season is like fifty games now. Yeah, it, it's so much. Well, even then, there was a lot of other programs in our area that would do that. We just never did that. Uh, we would just play a couple times a week, um, and it was very casual. But nobody sees you play. So we would go to showcases and stuff, and I got video, and I was starting to think, well, maybe this track thing might be something I could do. So I sent out a couple hundred emails, um, just went and said, is this a thing that I might be able to get some some college dollars for? And one of the places that responded was Southern Illinois Edwardsville, um, Coach Davis Straskis, who ended up leaving right before I got there to go take the throws job at Wisconsin, and he's still there. Like, very, really? very good throws, Coach. Huh. Um, phenomenal. But you're still only, I mean, you, had, had you only done discus and shot put at that point? Yes. So, but we had gone through and we said, with my build, because we're trying to compare things, I would be a very small, and I was when I got there, a very small discus thrower in college. I'd be an even smaller shot put thrower. Like, even though yeah, I'm those six, dudes are, like, beefy. You're big, but those dudes are beefy. Yeah, even though I'm 6'3", those guys are. I remember there was this dude from Memphis that I threw against. Especially that in the shot put, yeah. Yeah, there was a dude in discus from Memphis that I threw against at Indiana when I was a freshman or a sophomore. He was 6'7, 280. So not only am I dwarfed like beefiness, I'm dwarfed height wise too. And, it, and I was able to throw with him just because of some things I was able to do technique wise and. Whatever, I weigh slightly more than that guy I could take him. Right, but anyway, I know you could. Not just give bu- you a week not of by training. Much, but a little. Um, but so I haven't thrown javelin yet. But we were trying to compare sizes, and we said, okay, with my with my arm speed, this might be a thing that I could do if we get the right coach. Um, and Ostrowskis took a, a, a softball player and had her throw javelin, and I believe she made nationals one of the years. So like he knew how to convert people 
to that event. And so, did you ever throw a javelin in high at any point? Not until after I graduated high school. Okay, um, but he saw the baseball videos we had from showcases, and it's how do you convert different things from different sports to what that particular event would be? And you have the arm speed coming from throwing throwing a baseball. How that's all going to look? What are the, do the mechanics look somewhat correct to throw something in the right direction? He also in, liked looking at my baseball, or not baseball, but my batting. Mm-hmm. And it's how you convert that energy from the ground up through your hips. And it's how fast your hips can come through. And that's good for all of the, all of the throwing events are very similar to swinging a baseball bat. It's just a little bit different what you do with your mm-hmm. upper body. So, And that was one of the things that I always carried with me when I eventually coached a little bit, too, was how do you convert things from different sports because people want to try to compare things in their mind. So for javelin, I would always tell people, well, you sprint for 30 meters and hit the emergency brake with your body <laughs> twisted all the way back, and then you put all of that through your ankle, ankle, through your knee, through your hip, through your lower back, shoulder and elbow, and hope you don't break anything. Jeez. Um, so we ended up learning, my dad and I, because we knew I had signed um, in February of 2009 uh, ahead of my senior track season. I've still never even touched a javelin in my life. I've never seen one in person. Um, we go into that summer. I don't play baseball the last year that I could have. Um, we watch YouTube videos. And we start YouTube out. YouTube was around in 2009? Yeah, I know. It, right. Um just easy for you. you know, it was say. just like that Charlie bit me video is pretty much all it was. That was like there were like five videos and that was that would have been around that time. Yeah, Charlie um, bit me and it hurt. Also shoes, I don't know shoes. I'll I'll show you a bunch of old YouTube videos. Okay. Um, but at the time, and anyone who's thrown javelin is going to think this is insane. We start out. I'm throwing in tennis shoes off of a high school parking lot just onto the practice field. The problem with that is you, like I said, you hit the emergency brake. Right. If you're in tennis shoes, you're going to slide on that gravel and asphalt. So that was probably not the safest thing. Eventually, I put on baseball cleats and we're throwing on the practice field through like the mud and I'm trying to slide around. I didn't wear actual javelin spikes until someone let me borrow them at nationals that summer. Um, I was able to uh, win state, win our region. I had the furthest or second furthest throw in the country going into nationals. I was leading at nationals up until the last throw, and then a guy passed me by just a couple of inches. Um, I passed him on my last throw, but they said I, I fouled. So I, I, I and you've been doing this for three months, two months, like two months. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those guys that were throwing, they were all going to like major colleges. Yeah. Uh, they were going to um, the Iowas, the Texas A and M's. They they were going to these schools that had. Well, People I, to go was, to. I was javelin T price sucks. Probably. Yeah. Um, Iowa State had a kid that was pretty good while I was there yeah, for a couple of years. Probably not. Um, Ames is better than Iowa City. We know that, though, right? I guess. Um, so I'd only been doing it for a couple of months, and I end up getting second at uh, Junior Olympic Nationals in Greensboro, North Carolina. Before I'd even gotten to college and had someone coach me in javelin. But like I said, Dave Ostroskis took the job at Wisconsin, so a guy who was the grad assistant the year before took over throws. He had no experience with javelin. So you're going to SIU, Edwardsville, and mm-hmm. you don't have a coach who has experience with javelin. And over my time there, I never had a coach who had experience with javelin. So you're coaching yourself to some degree. Yeah, so there was a lot of it. And, YouTube and, videos. And Scott Block, who, who was my throws coach, 
for the other throwing events, he was amazing. Like he knew forward and backward everything you needed to do for hammer, weight, shot, and discus. Um, and my my discus technique improved tenfold within like a week of getting there, just from having him work with me on stuff that we didn't know. But for Javelin, it just wasn't his event. So to his credit, he went and he learned as much as he could. So there would be stuff I'd pick pick from him. But I would also, I still continue to just watch a bunch of YouTube videos. Spent a lot of time online on what I could learn myself. And um, I threw, I set our freshman record. I I still have the third all-time throw at uh, SIUE. And that was for my freshman year. Because then I redshirt my sophomore year, my junior year. I throw far enough in practice, this would have been in 2012, I throw far enough in practice to meet what would have then been the B standard. I think now they just have one standard, but there was an A standard and a B standard. And the B standard, you can qualify to go to the Olympic trials. Yeah. Um, They just finished up the world championship, so it's an off year um, right now. This would have been the nationals to go to the Olympics. If you throw so far and you do so well at the trials, you go to the Olympics. I was not at that point, but I threw far enough to at least go to Eugene, Oregon. We get to the competition at Ole Miss, very first throw, I feel everything tearing my shoulder. Um, And it's one of those weird things that you're like, what is that going to feel like if something were to break or tear? But you know as soon as you feel it. So very first throw at Ole Miss it tears, and I go, well, it's done. That's kind of my season. I may as well keep throwing. So I am probably made the tear worse than it actually was. So I threw my other two prelim like, what throws. did it feel like? Just immense pain. It, it felt like, you know when you take a piece of paper and you just rip it down the middle? Mm-hmm. It's like I could feel that in my shoulder mm-hmm. um, with, with the ligaments just pulling apart. And it hurt a lot. Um, but... Like, you're on so much adrenaline, and I knew that I was injured and I wasn't going to be able to do anything the rest of the season. So, like, and there's no coaches around because they're doing a bunch of other stuff, and I was like, hey, it kind of hurts, but I still want to throw. So I do my other two prelim throws, and then I did my three throws and finals. I actually moved up a couple of spots. Um, what an idiot. I know. And then, later in the day, I still had discus. <laughs> and my coach was asking, he's like, it just seems like you don't have the same pop. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I hurt my shoulder throwing javelin. Um, but I, I place and I get us points over in discus also. Um, and then we come back and do the MRI and we see that the, uh, the labrum is just shredded. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up having surgery that summer back in Kearney, Nebraska rehab didn't exactly go right. And, uh, like my arm's still good. I can do everything with it. Um, and that was one of the things that because I'd grown up with my dad, just being able to play catch with him and always have him around. I was like, I want my arm to be functional. At no point am I devoted enough to this that I'm like, I'm going to do this till my arm falls off. Right. Um, you're going to be able to play slow pitch softball, which right? I, which I've done a time or two. Um, yeah. So it's like my shoulder's not it's not perfect. It's not a hundred percent. It's got four screws and an anchor in it. Gross. If the if the weather changes, yeah, I can feel that a little bit. That's disgusting. Um, that's such like an old man thing too. Yeah. Uh, like that's oh awesome. my my knees it's going to storm. Um, I feel the rain. My shoulder's creaking. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so the track career ended, and then I, I moved back to Nebraska. Yeah. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Let's, uh, uh um, okay, one more, one more question. I want to get past past school past high school and stuff, but I want to ask you a question about your high school. So dad's a part of it. Mom's involved in it. You're mm-hmm. involved in it. Your your sisters are involved in it as well. Yeah. You know, you and I talk about the news and we talk about, we talk about a lot about some of the things that, some of the complaints that are leveled against schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's kind of indoctrinating. It's kind of an an agent of the government in, in, in that corner. And, and I grew up here in Lincoln. I grew up in a, you know, a, 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 I had a graduating class of 350. Um, there were schools in Lincoln that had graduating classes that were close to 1,000. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I hear people from small towns talk about public schools, mm-hmm. like there wasn't anybody necessarily like homeschooling or going to private schools because – the public school was like the hub of the community, right? Well, it like, didn't I mean, like there was nobody like that's a government school, right? Well, I, I still knew I still knew a couple of kids in Loop City that were homeschooled because their family just wanted to homeschool. Them. Oh, really? Like that—that that was just the thing that they wanted. Um, and there's also there are also the schools that think if you go to like if if someone's growing up in the small town of like Humphrey, there, there's a there's a parochial school there too. So sometimes they're just they're embedded in the community. The way they are at some of the small, small towns, but for somewhere like Loop City, it was it was that high school and nothing else on Friday nights. Town shut down. Type like of it's stuff. on par with the church as an institution yeah. of community. Well, in the so Loop City, there like just to, just for that comparison, there there were several churches. I think in Loop City, it went you had seven or eight churches and like seven or eight different places that like bars and liquor stores for a town of a thousand. Like that's what you had. You had, you had church places to drink in the high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right across the street from loop city high school is the Catholic church. The amount of things we did at our high school and then would go across to the church in their like community center area. Like growing up, we did cub scouts. It was always there. So even though I wasn't Catholic, we were always at someone's church for something or at the school. But the school was what brought the entire community together. Right. Um, everybody was at the basketball game, the football game on Friday and night. Everybody. I, I talked about the when I was a sophomore and we played at state basketball and we played at North Star. It was standing room only for the game before ours because our entire town came. The towns around us came to be part of our crowd because it's it, you're close knit for your entire area. 
Um, and Loop City is also built up of a, a few different towns around there, uh, Ashton, Rockville, and a few others. But you had everyone show up because you're going to support the kids in your community for what they're doing. There was uh, My sister was fortunate enough to go to state, I believe, every year in volleyball. Whole town shows up for that. I was one of the years I was working. Um, uh, I was working in Central Nebraska, and I was covering high school sports. And I got to go watch her play there. Um, when I got to here in in Lincoln, Arcadia Loop City qualified for state in volleyball. I went and watched. I have no connection to anyone on that team anymore. But I went. My town is here. Like that's still my town. So yeah, if it's yeah, the if it's a basketball the game, town. the school was the yes, is the people, and it's just it, it's it's interesting because in so many cases, you know, we don't, and and maybe it's just in bigger cities that it's looked at differently. But well, it is. It's so hard. Like on the part where there's a lot of talk about it's the schools are indoctrinating the children, um, type of thing. Well, it's, it's like the th- teachers are aliens, right? You know, it, it, that's a really hard thing to say in a small town when you are a neighbor with that teacher. Like you can go in and just say we're a lot of times we talk on the morning show and there's the the big media. Mm-hmm. But then people don't realize that a lot of times they're talking about you and me and they have a very they have a personal relationship with you and me. And they're like, well, I don't mean you guys. And it's like, well, when you say media, we are part of that unless you say specifically you're talking Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever. So there might be people in a lot of the small towns, and I know they do, they say the public schools XYZ, this, that. It's like, all right, that's cool. We share a garden across the alleyway together, and you don't have a problem with that. Like you don't have a problem with any of the conversations we have. So in small towns, you still get some of it, but because you know everybody, and I know there are small towns in in the Lincoln area too that have a lot of the same thing. There are people that are going to have their politics, but then they kind of mesh a little bit when you go, we're neighbors. I don't believe that Mr. Hubert would actually do that with my kids. Right. Would actually teach them something that I don't approve of. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I think so much when we talk about schools and sort of this, uh, this kind of implication there's sort of this alien influence mm-hmm. from a bureaucracy the teachers whomever and and i think of schools like like you went to and mm-hmm. and and frankly i mean my daughter you know I, my my kids go to school in lincoln and i know i mean outside of school i know several of their teachers i think a big part community. of that a big part of that is regardless of the size of school it's teacher or it's uh it's parents being involved because the more that parents are involved with their kids, with what their kids are doing, the more they're going to know the people involved in their kid's life. They're going to know the teachers. So in a small school, in a small town, it's much easier to do that because a lot of people work at the school or they work at the grocery store or they work at the lumber yard. They all work somewhere in town, and they all show up at the football game on Friday. Right. They show up at the basketball game on Tuesday, the volleyball game, whatever. The parents that are involved are showing up at the activities for the kids and they're knowing the teachers and the coaches. It's much easier at a small school. At, at a bigger school, you can still have that. But I, I think there's a disconnect in parent involvement. And as soon as parents are less involved, it's the same thing with anything. The less that you are directly involved with something, the less you know those people, right. the easier it is to feel alienated That's by them, make them point. an enemy. That's a great point. You know, my mo- my mom was like like... Like you, uh, with your parents, my mom was a, 
a public school teacher mm-hmm. and <laughs> and it's like it's like trying to think of it, it, the the things I hear from the outside about public schools match so very little with my yeah. actual experience of being the kid of a teacher right right or the kid of somebody who worked with public schools mm-hmm. you know when 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 she went through her career so uh yeah so anyway how how surprised would you have been if I came to your senior year at SIU Edwardsville and said in 2022 you're going to be working in radio I don't think I'd be that surprised because I started out as a mass communications major and I wanted to go into radio and specifically do play-by-play um and there there's a pretty good school for that but very first semester I'm doing an assignment and we had some some ideas that and some upperclassmen had told us that this teacher didn't like student athletes this professor was not one for if you were a student athlete she was just going to hand it to you so we decided to run our own test with that and me and a buddy turned in the exact same papers like word for word 100% plagiarism he got a 94 or a 96 and i got a 78 word for word exact same and i went that's the professor i'm going to have to have for the majority of this major i'm out <laughs> Probably could have taken a different route and like gone and gone to compliance and been like, "Yo, I'm getting like stiffed for all of this," but instead I went and I changed majors because my backup was education. Mm-hmm. So I went into um, when I was studying history education. That was super fun, especially in that area because for anyone who's studied education at some point, like you're in a local school. Um, so I went and did. At one point, I never got to the student teaching part, but I went and taught junior achievement, um, so it's a lot of economic stuff, to a fourth grade class in East St. Louis. And for those that don't know, I am a very Caucasian male in East St. Louis where the demographic is nothing like I ever grew up with. Um, I was fortunate enough because I played sports that I got to see a lot of different demographics and interact with people differently than the predominantly white central Nebraska. Um, Now I'm on a track team that is predominantly black, Um, especially if you started looking at the different events, the way things broke down demographically. Um, And then I am teaching students at a school where I am one of three white people in the entire school. And one of them is the teacher that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. You could not have told any of those students that I was any different because every one of them loved when I got there. That was the fun part. So the teacher, I had come a few sessions in a row, and the teacher told me that this this student was paying attention any time I showed up. Um, And he was looking up to me. And sometimes that's just different, having a male as opposed to a female at the head of the class. Um, who someone might respect a little bit more than another just because of their own life experiences. And I said, all right, well, that's cool. I'm glad he, he's involved. And she said, no, you don't understand. He doesn't pay attention in any of his classes, to any of his teachers. But he's paying attention to you. He watched his mom get stabbed the year before. So he was very scarred in his life experiences. But just by me showing up, being there in their class, talking with them, my parents were teachers, so it's like I was used to, I was able to tap into something to mm-hmm. just teach, and I would play at recess with them. Well, I'm 6'3", I can dunk a basketball, that looks cool when it's a bunch of fourth graders, but, and I have the picture, it's, it's on my, my Facebook page, me with all of these students. 
And I'm always going to look back on that fondly because that's one, that's the most teaching experience I have now at this point. But when I switched from mass comm to education, I did not think that was an experience I was going to have. And that's something that you don't think about. One, you talk about if you would have come and met me as a, a senior at SIUE and said I would have been in radio. If you would have met me as a, a senior at Loop City or a 15-year-old and said, you're going to go teach fourth graders at an, in an East St. Louis elementary. <laughs> and You wouldn't even the, know what and, that meant, and, probably. Yeah, and, and the demographics are going to be something that you can't imagine. But it's an experience that I got to have that not everyone in my town gets to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's some part of that that... There's like this wishful escapism that people have sometimes about small towns. And obviously, I I don't live in a small town anymore. I haven't been back there for a couple of years. But I loved every minute that I got to be there. And because I was there in a small town with my parents and having those experiences, that led to the experiences I got to have collegiately. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No idea that I would have ended up in radio, let alone at that point back in Nebraska. I was fully prepared to just be outside of Nebraska so the rest you, of my life. So why are you still in radio? <laughs> um, like, there's just an itch about it that I love. So I started out just as a board operator in central Nebraska running high school games. Then um, I ran a, a sports talk show, and I was a, a associate news director that I took over as a news director for five stations for a group there. Um, and then I worked in Des Moines for a little bit, and now I'm here in Lincoln. But... There's just something about it that I love, being able to communicate with people um, and know that you're part of their day, especially what we do as, as like a morning show. That's not something even when I started in radio that I was like, oh, I'm going to do something like that. I just knew at the beginning of all of it, I wanted to do play-by-play for some high school sports, and I got to do that. That was right. super fun. I, I called some, um, some state championship football games at Memorial Stadium, um, some state basketball games at Devaney and Pinnacle Bank Arena and some of the high schools. like That was super fun. But the part that made it fun is that you were part of somebody's day. You you were someone that they could rely on to give them the information. Whether it's, If it's play-by-play, tell them how the game is going and not mess it up in a way that they're going to say, well, you mispronounced my kid's name. And I mispronounced a bunch of names. Um, but what we do now for the, the morning show and what I'm able to do as a sports director and assistant program director, you're part of someone's day. When they listen to your station, they are saying, I am coming to you because you are someone that I trust. And that that's a lot of responsibility, but it's also a lot of fun because it's, well, how can I be entertaining for you but also informative and tell you about my life so that you can feel that we have a personal connection? There's not every profession like that. There's a lot of places that you can go and you're very much by yourself and the you can be in your own world. And I know sometimes we get in our own world in the studio, but because of the text line that we have in social media and that fishing trip I went on, I'm able to see what that what that connection really looks like outside of those uh those windows and walls that mm-hmm. we do the do the show from. And there's so much connectivity throughout our community. I think a lot of times we forget that, um, just people in general, how connected a community is. And radio is a way that we're able to do that in a, in a very, very well, well thought out way. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you know, I believe this, but I think there's 
way too much of radio that's dividing people for profit. I don't think we do that, you know? Um, no, the most divisive we'll get on some things are what meets we like best, what state is the best <laughs> to travel to. Like some of the fun things, or like foods especially, people can get very divisive on foods. But those are things that we're able to take and go, okay, whatever, you like. You don't like ham. Mm-hmm. I do. You don't like turkey, blah, blah, blah. And you can go back and forth. I think the lesson we need to take from that, though, is there's a lot of places that are built on saying, I'm right, you're wrong, end of story. Right. Whereas I think we can take the the small things that, that we do on a day-to-day basis that are fun divisive, but translate those to the the political realm a little bit and go, hey, it's okay to disagree right? because at the end of the day, it goes back to the public education part in small towns. Right. I know you. I have a personal relationship with exactly. you. It's very easy to feel alienated from people if you right. don't know them. Let me ask you this. You've had, I'm sure you've had, especially with your assistant program director role, have had people who have come at you and said they're unhappy with something. They don't like something and yeah. they don't res- and I think sometimes they don't expect a response, and you give them a response. <laughs> what's what's that been like for you? So believe it or so, we're a very conservative talk station as a whole. Like that's the overarching theme for I it. I don't define our show that way whatsoever. No, no, no. Just but but as a station, yeah. That that would be the that's way. a perception. Yeah, that that's the way that a lot of the programming is, um, for right or wrong, and that's the way the programming was when I got here, and um. I there there like there's only so much you can do with weekday programming with stuff that's going to work really really well and it's going to sell and it's not going to be off brand. Um so a lot of our weekday programming outside of our morning show and then even sports nightly in the evening it it has a conservative bent to it. Um on the weekends there's a lot of it that is kind of your interest. There's the car doctor, there's the gun show, there's amazing Americans with Jerry Shemel. Like there's a lot of fun stuff on the weekend. So it changes up a little bit. But there have been some people that I've gotten messages about how liberal we are as a station, not just as a morning show, as a station. And I like to point out and go, well, that's fine. Like It's it's fine to believe that. But at the time when they said that, I went, you do realize that Rush is our highest rated show, and there's no reason that we're going to take Rush off of the air. We're not going to do that when it's our highest rated best-selling show. And they go, okay, well, that makes sense. Well, now there's a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people that look at the programming and just say, well, you guys are way too conservative. Why would I listen to any of your other programming? And it's, okay, well, each show is a little bit different. Even if you just go by the conservative programming, Killmead is not the same as Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Is not the same as Sean Hannity. Is not the same as Mark Levin. Like A lot of those things might follow a similar theme. They're not 100% the same. And that's the same for our local programming, the part where you have a relationship with someone. A lot of the people in the community know you. They see me at Husker events. Um, they see our Grow Lincoln folks on the weekend because they they're, they work in business. They see Mark Vale, who works on the morning show with us. If you have a personal relationship with somebody, and we're able to do that better than most because of our reach on radio you're able to help them understand. I think that's a big part. A lot of people don't understand. Not every show is the same. And that's the part that makes that morning show so much fun is that there's not a political bent either way, but we're also okay with accepting the fact that we're not going to change hearts and minds. Yeah. 
Like that, at the end of the day, it's going to be times. here's here's kind of the way I'm feeling on some of it, and a lot of times we just avoid that altogether. Um, for here's the informative part of it, and now we're going to get to the fun stuff, and the listeners accept that then you can move forward when you do have that conversation eventually. When you are passionate about something enough that you go, hey, I feel kind of strongly about this. I know I'm not going to change your mind if you feel differently, but I want you guys to know this is how I feel about it. People, I believe, are more open and receptive to that if they feel like you truly care, that you're not trying to go in and attack them and attack their thoughts and have a relationship with them. Yeah. So it's... There, there, there are some callers that I get back to, um, some listeners that I get back to that are very defensive from the get-go, and it's hard to have that conversation. Um, and I know there are plenty of times where I get very defensive, too, because I'm like, this is not at all what our aim is with this. Oh, I'm the um, worst. That's the part about being open to a conversation, that, that you're not truly trying to change hearts and minds because you know mm-hmm. that that's a losing game from the onset. Uh, but there are a lot of people that I, I talk to, and the last thing they say before they hang up, thank you so much for getting back to me. I didn't think anybody would. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I think radio needs to change the perception of is that if you send an email, a text message, you leave a voicemail on an answering machine that, okay, you just shouted into the void and nobody there cares. Well, I care a great deal. Um, maybe it's because I'm, I'm young and naive in the, in the radio industry, but I care a great deal about what our perception is as a station. Um, because a lot of it, I look at very personally, there's so much imaging on the station that I've spent hours working on. There's so much programming that I have spent hours listening to other shows, trying to curate what that lineup's going to look like, what our local shows are going to look and sound like, and what little tweaks we can have. So it's a very personal project for me. So when people have complaints or concerns, I want to get back to them in a way that, one, is very approachable because I want to hear what they're saying, whether I agree or not. Because it, because people I don't want, expect people to respond, though. I want them to feel heard. At the end of the day, because if they feel heard, they're a listener who's likely to be around a little bit more. And if they have a concern, they know they can come rather than just shouting into the void, making uh, just going on Twitter and tagging KLI on radio or something. It's a lot more uh, it's a lot more conducive to moving everyone forward. If you try to have a relationship with somebody and you reach out to us, whether it's at the station or over social media directly, or if you happen to know us, you just find a way to get a hold of us. That's such a better way of moving forward. Those are the conversations I take a lot away from, even when I disagree with someone, is the fact that we're able to have a conversation. Even if they left a very angry voicemail, they go, I didn't expect anyone to call. Here are my concerns. I go, all right, let's go. Yeah, happens all the time. What we're doing is working. Like I hear your complaints and concerns, but... What is showing up is that this is working. If someone wants to say something about my sports cast, for instance, last year I won gold for our state as, as the best sports cast in the state. So it's like, okay, I can point to something that says this is working. I might need to tweak some things, but it's working. Same with our newscasts. Um, I believe uh, the last Jane Monick newscast won gold. Carla James got like silver last year. Um, so we continue to do well in all of this. Our severe weather coverage, um, a lot of our spot news. There are things that we do that people might want to get nitpicky with, but we can point to ratings or awards and say they're working. But like we do after any event, 
how can we do them better? And that's where some of those that come in, some of those complaints or concerns, criticisms, we might be able to still make those things better. But here's the thing. You were not a radio person. No. Um, I did not get a radio degree. I started started from the bottom, now I'm here. Um, but, started from the bottom, now I'm up. Yeah, that, that one. Um, but I started as a board op, and I was it was predominantly sports. Um, and then I was working as a news director and I did some board hopping and worked part time at a, uh, like a, a restaurant and bar entertainment place in Des Moines. Like I, we just have different life experiences than some people that are lifelong radio yeah. that are trying to come up with what's the next step for AM radio, for yeah. FM radio, they for, get, for, for the news talk think. format. That's what I'm saying. It's groupthink. Um, that's why it's so much. That's one of the things. Like like we said at the very beginning of this, it's so much fun waking up with you because it's not going to be that typical radio show. Not going to be that typical day. Yes, there's going to be. Here's what the weather is. Here's your traffic on your morning drive. Um, here's the news of the day. Here's what's happening in sports. But around that, because that's that's the skin of it. That those are like your things that you have to have. Right. But outside of that, it's. We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk with some fun people. You're not going to hear me trying to make you hate your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. For once in a day. I mean, yeah. Because there's there's no point in, unless obviously you have a legitimate gripe with your neighbor. And no, you don't if your neighbor's along. a real yeah, piece sure. of crap. Like, yeah. Like, let ab- their absolutely dog poop hate. in your yard, hate your neighbor. Yeah, no hate doubt. your neighbor. Go ahead. No doubt. But if you have a good relationship with your neighbor... And you guys are different political parties, but you go, you know what? They're going to put out their Biden sign, and I had my Trump sign, but we were still good because we knew each other. This is a show that's not going to tell you, well, no matter what, you should hate that person because they are ruining yep. America. Yep. Because that's not gonna, that's not helpful for a no. conversation. That's not helpful, not helpful for a and community. It's just not freaking effective. No. it's We are not. You're not. <laughs> we you can you can listen to audio porn of what you like to hear all day long, but you're not changing. You're not making an, up any ground with no. the whole thing. And that's why it's so much fun to get up and go. We're not coming in with an agenda to get people to think a certain way. Sometimes we're, we're, I do. <laughs> I mean, I'm not perfect, but right, I, I, right. sometimes but, I do. But, but the, you're but, right, you're right. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah. At the, at the end of the day, when we show up in the morning, it is let's have a fun conversation. Let's hang out for three hours. Who are the people that we have that we're going to talk to about what's going on in our community? Because at the end of the day, left, right, center, blue, purple, whatever, it's still our community that we're talking about. And there's tons of topics that aren't divisive mm-hmm. in a. Per, you were referencing it earlier with you know food music whatever mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of thing there there are things that are unifying even if we disagree on them. yeah think about the times that we've done the yeah like the, the food stuff but when we say what is what is something that lincoln needs entertainment wise the number of suggestions that come in and there's nobody saying well i hate all of those because the taxpayers are going to have to no 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 no. we just went through and said what are things that you think lincoln needs mm-hmm. if you were able to just say this is here right and people have ideas for all of it because it's it would improve our community right. i talked a lot about the the splash pads the spray parks um and there was nobody saying well you can't build those 
because the taxpayers would this. A lot of what I was very passionate talking about was how do I make our community better? Right. What are things that our community needs? And that's, at the end of the day, we're a local AM talk show specifically getting into here's what's happening in our community and then a little bit into the state and Huskers. Right. And that's it. Yep. Now, it reminds me, we need a uh, Top 5 Tuesday for tomorrow. For that's tomorrow or for two days ago? Uh, oh, yeah. Time is a bumpy flat circle. I'm sure. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Last question and most important question. How tired are you of the man bun comments or pony, whatever that is? I'm so... Is it a, is, number one, is it a man bun? Is, I don't think I would call that. I don't think I would call it a man bun. The way I'm wearing it right now, no. This is at the, at the back here. Yeah. That's, that's a little bunny. Yeah, it's, it's a, there's a little bun to it. Um, sometimes I wear it up into more of a top knot. Um, I'm not like... People talk. People say people are people are savage about it. Oddly aggressive about like showing their displeasure with Pe it. People people can be very aggressive. Um, my uncle is probably the worst. So the fact that I don't live near him is probably the best because he can just know how to. All five foot six of him, he knows how to get under my skin. Oh my god, Wade can do it. But that's probably because I have so much of the same mentality as my dad that that's my dad's older brother. That he knows what to do to me to just like get get me going, but I'm so used to is it. Is it now. worth the trouble? It is. So here's the thing: um, a few years ago, and I mean, I could show you pictures. There was a time where I would just like buzz my head, It'd be just because that was easiest. That's what I did all through college. Um, I would grow my hair all the way out, swoop it, and, like do some head shakes, get it to the side, um, and then a couple years ago, I just let my hair grow gnarly long for no reason, like. I was in a kind of a dark place. I'd gotten laid off from my job and was like, you know what? Let's just let the beard go. Let's let the hair go, whatever. Um, and I've put on some weight since college. Um, so one of the things was find a hairstyle that makes me feel good about me. And that hairstyle is having a, a well-kept beard and it being shaved all the way around except for on top um, to where it gets pulled into a top knot. And what that does visually is that that makes your head look longer top to bottom it it thins it out a little bit as opposed to if i had a bunch of hair on the Wait, side do i need to do this no i'm just like like it's a little trick well you're already missing a bunch of hair on the side wow that's offensive <laughs> that's an offensive you're, thing to say you're inadvertently already doing i this. could do it i could do it um, at the front but maybe. It, it was for me 
finding a hairstyle that made me feel good about me and that I'm comfortable taking some flack for. And I'm perfectly okay with it because the people on Froggy, I'm literally just known as top knot to them. So listeners, there were some folks on the fishing trip that went, and I told them, I was like, yeah, I work with Froggy. They go, oh, are you ever on the show? I go, do, do you ever hear them talk about top knot? And they went, yes. I go, that's me. And they're like, okay, cool. Now they have a point of reference. Um, but for me, it was, and it wasn't right away. Like I was trying out different things on what kind of hairstyle I liked for it. And I found one that I'm really comfortable with. And it makes me feel good about me and the way that I look, despite I'm not physically at a point where I like the way my body is. But when I look in a mirror and I have clothes that fit me well, the way I have my hair makes me feel good about myself. It helps with the rest of the appearance. And that's a, like that's obviously that's a body confidence thing that I can wake up every morning, come in, and be able to perform for my job or go out and talk with people. And it's it's probably a much deeper answer than than you were looking that's for a, on no, the hair. I got that with my beard, man. Yeah. I I saw a picture of my face in the paper mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and I looked like Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> and so I've been. It's it's too gray. I'm thinking that. We we talked about this in the air. Didn't oh, we? doing like some just for men. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. But. Not bad, but but yeah. So it's a. Whether but it's I get a, it. No, I get it. Whether it's I a mean, beard or listen. a hairstyle, whatever it is, it's a. How do you feel best about you yeah. and where you are? And for me right now, when I put it up in a bun or a top knot or whatever it is that day, that's what's making me feel best about me. Yeah. Yeah. No battling disliking myself because of the weight I've gained is one of the biggest. The biggest issues in my life right now, if the, I'm being fully the, honest. The number of times that I get up in the morning and I put on a shirt and then I have to walk back into the closet and grab a different shirt because I go, I don't like the way that fits. Yep. I don't like the way when I look in the mirror yep. and I see how that fits me, I go, not not today. That's not a good shirt. Now, maybe in a couple of weeks, I'll put that on and I'll feel differently about it. But on that morning, there's a lot of times that I go back in and I go, I don't feel good about that. Now, should I do something about that? Yeah, we're all very busy, and there's probably a time that I'll be able to do that. But at this point in time, one of the things that I can very much control without hours in the gym and changing a lot of other parts about my physical appearance is my hair. It's Hmm. very easy. I get a haircut every couple of months, and for me, that helps out a lot of the way I feel about myself visually. Well, let me tell you this to wrap up. I think you are an absolutely a great sidekick. Sidekick is uh, sounds like making you de- like diminutive. I but... think outside of our room, people hear sidekick and they have a certain vision. But I know what that is in the partner. context. I Partner's know what, probably. I know what that word. is in the context of our show and um, the way we interact. Your partner and so many things that you do well. I said that at the beginning, and I I, I feel that way very much about um, the way that you've done this, and I still believe. That your you being there and you doing what you do has reinvigorated my career in a huge way. To be honest, so I very much um, appreciate that. So think a lot of you and uh, good luck on your uh, married life. <laughs> yeah, um, that's one of the things we're 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 so glad that you're able to be involved with that. Um, you talk about how like how close you can grow with someone when you have to work every single day especially through a pandemic yeah where it was three hours in the morning then like here's five more hours in the afternoon we saw each other more than we saw our families um it was one of those things that as megan and i talked about how we wanted to do our wedding it was okay we're kind of going a little bit more non-traditional it's not going to be in a church we're doing it at platte river state park okay well we need to have someone do the ceremony and it was well who's someone that's very important to us that's close to our family knows our family 
And right away we both said you um, because of the relationship that you and I have had over the past few years, how close we've grown. But you know our family. You guys were at um, the baby shower that we had uh, when Megan was pregnant with Millie. You guys were at Millie's first birthday party. We've been over here as a family a number of times. I was I was over here before Megan and, and had come to Lincoln and before Millie was born. So there's just there's a relationship that right away – we wanted you to be involved in that aspect, and um, I, I knew the story. I, I was never fortunate enough to to know your dad, but I knew what your dad had done, and I knew that that would be something inside of you that we could bring out yep. for for a few minutes. All right, so there it is, Caleb. By the way, one more oh, podcast. Your your uh, podcast, Hey Dad podcast. It's on uh, it's on Spotify, Amazon Music, all those good places. It's about my experience as a dad talking with other dads about their experience. Uh, first episode last week was with former Husker doc, Dr. Rob Zadiska. And then this week I was actually fortunate enough to have my dad on. Uh, we recorded that next to the river up there at Ballard's Resort in Minnesota, just a few miles south of the Minnesota-Canada border. Coming up this next Tuesday, Larry Putney is going to be my guest. Nice. So uh, him, you see him on Nebraska Public Media, Big Ten Network. He's got a really fun story um, just his life growing up for a lot of us we talk about is it baseball is it football like what are some sports that draw your family together bowling for the bowling. Putney family yep. and man he gets into that he's a grandfather a lot of good advice in that one so that's it guys thanks for hanging in there for the Jack Mitchell podcast with Caleb Henry and uh, yeah make sure you subscribe like us on all of the podcast services if you want to put down a rating that would be nice as well or a review if you're liking things and we will be back next week, dropping on Thursday, the next episode of the Jack Mitchell Podcast.